Hello, and welcome to Take Me Through Your Day. On this episode, I'm very excited. I've been waiting to post this for a long time. Um, we have a psychometrist. Um, he has a master's of science in clinical rehabilitation and mental health counseling. And he's just a, a really solid dude. Like, he, he was very generous with his time. And, um, yeah, I just cold called him and he was very responsive. It's, it's awesome. Uh, there's a lot more information about him in the description. Being is that this is our first interview that isn't completely anonymous. Uh, which is also just, yeah, he's just awesome for that. So, um, I'm not going to say anything more about it. You can read about him in the description. And um, towards the end of the interview, there's going to be another little intermission because we kept going. But we'll get to that later. Um, and as per usual, if you or someone you know would like to be on the show, we can be reached at TakeMeTYD on all social media and TakeMeTYD at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. I specifically wanted to get you because I think that what you do is very specific to the type of people I'm, like my target demographic at least, I don't know who's listening, but okay. who I imagine would be interested are confused college kids, people that are nervous about their choices, mm -hmm. you know, what, what exactly, let's start from here. Uh, I saw your, uh, your advertisement on a billboard, like yeah. a physical old school. Yeah billboard so what exactly do you do in regard to that um, so I offer two different services um, the first one I offer is mental health counseling and the second I do uh, neuropsychological assessments okay so uh, mental health counseling is uh, pretty straightforward I offer you know cognitive retraining um, etc for individuals with a wide range of disabilities um, the neuropsychological assessments are basically I, I administer tests that um, measure your brain function, uh, both, in, both you know, separate functions and also, you know, your overall cognition. Um, and that's usually for some kind of rehabilitative purpose, you know, like, uh, you know, understanding uh, so one's strengths and weaknesses because they're trying to find a job or they're trying to adjust to a brain injury, stuff like that. Okay, so let's just, sticking with the billboard thing, have you had people contact you through that? Yeah. Okay, and what's just a general common through line of some someone that would reach out that way what do you mean i mean like um what are the types of things people are calling you and asking uh, like what, what's a practical application of of what they would ask for um uh, i get a lot of college students who have uh issues with time management procrastination organization um some social skills okay. stuff like that um I, i've got a number of individuals with autism and with them it's usually about social skill development, you know, personal care, um, stuff like that. And then uh, also I have a lot of individuals who've had concussions, traumatic brain injuries from sports, from falls, car accidents, you know. Now so, are they are they reaching out to you personally or is that like a family member or a teacher or someone kind of recommending them to, to get help? Uh, usually they come through from a referral source like uh, the Office of Vocational Rehabilitation, which okay. is a state-run agency. Um, you know, uh, they have offices in Pittsburgh, so a lot of the individuals come through, uh, come through them. Um, some word of mouth people also show up at my door, um, so that's typically how they they arrive in my office. Okay, um, let's go into your background a little bit just to get um, 
an idea from there. In your general like high school, when you were in high school, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do or what field you wanted to get into? Um, not really, no. <laughs> um, in high school, uh, I was really into history, so, um, you know, without putting too much thought into it, I figured, well, I'll just pursue history because it's, it's a hobby of mine. Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until my second year of college, I'd say, that I got more of a concrete understanding of, you know, where I want to go with my life, where my talents lie, and how I could, you know, best apply them, basically. Okay, and how did you come to that realization? What happened to, to get you to really narrow it down? Um, so my second year of uh, college, I, was in, I went to Allegheny College in Meadville. Um, I was a neuroscience major. Uh, the brain fascinated me. Um, yeah. But I found myself being more drawn to the intersection between psychology and neuroscience. Neuroscience was fascinating, but it was mostly focused on a cellular level, uh, you know, uh, understanding of human behavior, where I was interested in how the brain affects global behavior of people. Um, oh, and psychology itself was also interesting to me. So my, my second or third year of college, I took a, a neuropsychology seminar uh, class, but um, it was really in-depth, and we learned about um, rehabilitation of neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, Huntington's, Alzheimer's. And that's what I really felt like I found a, a passion. Um, and I, from there, it just kind of, um, you know, led me to uh, pursuing this career path and going to graduate school. So. Okay. And uh, let's say just end of graduate school, how do you get from there to here? After graduate school? Yeah. Um, well, when I was in graduate school, the it was a two-year program, so in each summer of the two years, you had to do uh, an internship or a practicum. So uh, nationally, I pursued any offices um, or firms that you know uh, practice neuropsychology or neuropsych rehab. Um, this was one of them. Uh, Dr. Petrick, the one I introduced you to, he was um, he's my mentor, but he was the first one to kind of take me under his wing and show me the ropes. Um, and so from there, he offered me employment, and I've, I've been working in this field ever since. So. And um, forgive me for forgetting, because when I looked you up, I wanted to write a bunch of notes, and I didn't. What, what is your current title here? Psychometrist. Can you say that for me one more time? Psychometrist. Psychometrist. Yeah, it's kind of a tough word there. Um, yeah. it, it, psychometrician is another one. It's, a, it's okay. basically just someone who uh, you know, administers and scores neuropsychological and psychological testing. Um, but I, I also do mental health counseling as well, so I'm a psychi psychometrist as well as a counselor. Okay, and now does all that take place here in this office, or...? Um, here, uh, yeah, we do both here. I have a separate office also in Oakland, um, okay. where I do, I do just mental health counseling, but here I do, I do both. Okay, um, well let's get through the beats of your day, and then I want to talk about some of the um, general issues with college kids and think the state of affairs of the world in general, sure, psychologically. Sure. Um, what time do you wake up in the morning? Um, I'm usually up between 5.30 and 6.30 every morning. Set an alarm? Uh, I used to, at this point it's kind of just uh, naturally I'll wake up at that time. Okay, good. Um, what's a little bit of your, your morning routine? I get up, I usually get a workout in before mm -hmm. I start my day. Um, Is that something you do at home or you go to a gym? Uh, depending on the day. So sometimes I do it in my apartment, sometimes I, I go to the gym, uh, depending on what the workout is. Okay. Um, make some coffee, have some breakfast, go over my plan for the day, you know, um, I kind of have a, I wouldn't call it necessarily a to-do list, but I kind of have a priority list and also a task list that I formed the night before, so it's just, 
you know, priorities of stuff that I need to take care of before I, I go to bed that day. And tasks are just little things I kind of have to do that aren't, aren't necessarily the most thought-provoking things. They're just kind of mindless at times, but okay. they still need to get done. Yeah. Um, and then I get to I get here around quarter to nine, nine in the morning. What's uh, what's your commute time like? Do you live around here? Or? Oh, yeah, I live in Mount Lebanon. So oh, okay, so you're... Yeah. yeah, it's really close. Okay. Yeah. Um, during your commute, do you listen to anything? I know it's not much of one, but... Yeah, I, I actually uh, listen to a lot of uh, podcasts, too. Um, okay. I, I like the uh, the Joe Rogan experience. That seems to be a very popular one. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's. I mean, I, I think he's an interesting guy. He's, he's a very good conversationalist, uh, and he gets me to kind of think about uh, my own life and, you know, evaluate things that I might overlook or, or neglect at times. Um, it's just, it's a fun listen, you know, as well, so. It is. I don't know how he pulls off, like, four hours of just... Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem to have notes. He's just... It goes. It's yeah, great. It's it's uh, it's almost a natural talent he has. But yeah, so I, I listen to that. Some music. Um, that's it's, I guess that's pretty much it. Okay, so you yeah. get in here, and what are some of the first things that you have to take care of when you get to the office? Um, you know, make sure my testing. Uh, I have a series of tests that are all uh, that that I depending on the battery of tests and why a person's coming to see us, we'll have a different set of tests we would utilize. So make sure everything's in order and organized. I have enough of each test. Um, you know, uh, go over my notes for, you know, the individual coming in, why are they seeing us, um, you know, what they're looking to gain from testing and counseling, um, and just kind of mentally just uh, prepare myself, you know, it's not okay. super intense, but it's just enough to yeah, kind of, Yeah, getting know. a general idea. Yeah. Got it. Um, so when people start coming in and you start seeing, when does that start and how long are, I guess, test, testing mm -hmm. sessions? Yeah. So typically they come in uh, between 9 and 9.30 in the morning. Um, and depending on the reason for coming to see us, the testing session could last anywhere from three hours to five hours. Um, oh, okay. With breaks and, you know, yeah. as they need it. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people who come to see us uh, are students who are having some kind of learning issues. So the testing is uh, basically a way to assess their overall IQ and then also tap into specific academic skills to see if there's any deficits uh, that could be attributing to their struggles in school. And from there, depending on the results from the test, we kind of formulate uh, a recommendation list of things they could pursue at school, such as getting extra time on testing, a separate room, et cetera. You know. uh, and then the report that we generate from the scores will end in some kind of you know, diagnostic uh, you know, section, if appropriate. So. Okay. Can you give me a general idea of what the testing is? Like, each I mean, one? is it literally yeah. just tests so, on paper, or are there oh, more? Yeah. Okay. So these are pretty old school. We do pen and paper tests, pretty much. Um, some of the tests are available in computerized versions, but we we kind of keep it old school here. Oh, um, I like it. <laughs> yeah, I think most people uh, like it too. Um, so you know, one test we do is the uh, an IQ test, the WACE is what it's called. Um, it's basically a series of tests that. Don't necessarily measure your academic skill. It's more of just um, testing your 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 intelligence and your potential for certain things, um, based on an intellectual uh, basis. But um, from there, we'll do certain tests. We we call them small tests, but they're they don't take very long to complete. And each one measures a different specific cognitive skill, like cognitive fluency, problem solving, um, your verbal abstraction. You know your ability to uh, your memory skills, incidental memory, stuff like that. Um, and then from there, we usually get into a big academic test, 
which is broken down into like nine smaller tests. And each one's gonna measure different, you know, academic skill, reading, writing, arithmetic, math, uh, punctuation, stuff like that. Oh, so you really get into the whole spectrum it's, of it. It's thorough, yeah. And then sometimes people come in who are looking for vocational guidance as well. So we have a, we have a couple questionnaires we utilize that um, are kind of vague in nature, but the idea is that these these questionnaires will give um, some insight into what uh, they might like to pursue as a career, um, what areas they're, they seem to enjoy, what areas they might be aptitude, uh, or what they might be apt to perform. Yeah. Um, so that's that typically, if it's, a, if it's someone who's coming in for some kind of uh, vocational guidance, that's the testing spectrum that we utilize. Well, that's something that's fascinating to me because I think the whole birth of what we do here is that like someone who would need an aptitude test people that are confused about what to do with their lives in general mm -hmm. i mean i'm in my 30s i'm still confused yeah. but like you're dealing with these college kids they're already in it like they've already mm -hmm. you know gotten into a school and a, attending classes mm -hmm. so say they get into these aptitude tests um what if they've just what if they're halfway through something and it's just absolutely wrong for them it's possible um, I, I think if that's the case, um, counseling would be very helpful for them in that counseling could help, um, it could help them shift their mindset where they could be open to other career choices other than the one they were, um, you know, dedicated to or they already declared a major for. It's not impossible for someone who's halfway through college to totally shift their, yeah. their, their direction and, and be successful in the long run. Um, but you know that is a challenge with people who are going from high school straight into college that may or may not have given themselves adequate time to really think about you know who they are what they want to do what do they like you know and it's it's hard to say when you're 18 or 19 and you're jumping from high school to college um, to really have that you know awareness of, of yourself absolutely so. I think it's a lot to ask of somebody at such a young age like yeah figure it out now absolutely um, yeah. Again, I'm, I'm fascinated with these aptitude tests. Um, what, uh, when you get the results, mm -hmm. how specific can you get with uh, the types of career paths? Is there just like a general group of things that someone would test well for, or? Yeah, it's more general. Um, some of the categories they might score high in would be something like uh, communications, uh, business, science, technology, um, you know, outdoor work. Um, you know, clerical work. It's it's pretty vague in in a way. Um, yeah. It does help a little bit with uh, you know clinically evaluating someone and helping them or best guide someone towards where they might be the most successful. I mean, the point of doing all this is to maximize their chances of success and whatever it is, whether it's school or work or both. So that's why we're here. Um, yeah. But I, you know, at the same time, I I, I think that it's important to remind uh, patients when they come in that to take they should take these results with a grain of salt. This is not in any way telling you what you definitely should do or should not do with your life. It's more of just a, a way of, you know, uh, cultivating self-awareness, yeah. more or less. Now, once you get those results, is there kind of a smoothing out period in the, the counseling arena where you can kind of, I don't know, workshop that idea with somebody? Absolutely. Like, now that we've figured out this is the general idea of things that you'd be good at, let's talk about some of what those things might be. Definitely. You know, those having the testing done before counseling is really uh, helpful in more efficiently and effectively guiding the counseling process because uh, sometimes people who initiate counseling services 
I'm not even sure exactly what they want to glean from counseling. And some of the time is spent figuring that out. Whereas if you have, you know, some neuropsychological testing done beforehand, you know, you have a better idea of your cognitive skills, your weaknesses, um, career-wise, what you might want, what, what you might want to pursue. Um, and then you kind of take that knowledge into a counseling setting. And at that point, it, it makes the counselor's job a lot easier because we have you know, a knowledge base to work with. Yeah, and you can push a lot of the extra stuff to the side. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, I mean, this is this is fascinating. Are, are you happy in this work? I mean, it sounds like something that you'd be very excited about every day. I am. Um, okay. It's exciting for me because uh, I personally get to see someone from a different walk of life virtually every day. So it's, um, it's a way to... Um, it's, it's fun. I mean, I enjoy learning about the brain and, and helping people... Uh, you know, navigate their own lives is something that's rewarding for me too. Um, I think what I do is important. Um, it seems to make um, you know a tangible impact in people's lives, um, and I think it's necessary as well. I mean, it sounds like it should be available for everybody in, yeah. in just high school. Like, here's this. But yeah. so, how far do you personally get involved with the progress of an individual? Um, it depends on how far they want to take counseling. Um, you know, I've had you know, clients for counseling, you know, I've seen for years. Um, some come for short term, maybe several months, and then they feel like they've made su sufficient progress that they're ready to handle it on their own. And, and again, I, I think it's good to, to uh, it's a good reminder that counseling is not meant to string somebody along and keep them tethered to your counseling services. The, the idea is that to help them develop their tools so they can use it on their own and not necessarily need a counselor in the long run. It's helping them, you know, develop their own toolbox, essentially. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the length of time someone's in counseling is really dependent on the, the individual, their wants, their needs, their past experiences, you know, et cetera. So. Yeah, I just imagine that um, getting to, to be a part of that progress is it's very satisfying. Yeah. Just as a, as a career path. I, I love when I talk to people that have a very satisfying type of job. Um, it, it, it's nice because there's so many people that are miserable in what they do mm -hmm. that... Um, yeah, that's a, that's a very good thing. So let's go back to your day. Um, you get in, you start doing some testing. How many people would you normally see in a day? Again, just averages, you know, I know it can, it can all change. For testing, it's usually one person a day because it takes so much time. Yeah, um, I imagine. For counseling, you know, I, I usually do testing and then later in the day I'll do some counseling services. So I'll see one person a day for testing on average, uh, probably about two people, um, one to two people a day on average for counseling. All right. Um, do you take a general lunch break, or just fit it in when you can? I just, I just, you know, do it on the fly whenever I can. I, I, I can, but um, I kind of saw that coming. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's one of those things where it's really it, it, the nature of the work doesn't lend itself to you know having a, a scheduled lunch break necessarily all the time. It's just, uh, it just kind of kind of comes with the territory, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, what are what are some of the other things during the day? Um, that you would come across? Say if someone was to shadow you for a day, what mm -hmm. would you prepare them to, to walk through? Um, what do you mean exactly? If someone was coming to do your exact job in okay. a different office and mm -hmm. you were just showing them the ropes, mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you would prepare them for? Um, I mean, I, I think uh, the first thing would definitely be organized uh, before anyone comes into your office to get yourself mentally ready to go. Very uh, important. Get, get your thoughts in order. Um, especially when you're seeing someone for counseling, 
uh, or you're seeing clients back to back who are very different from each other, you really got to take a second or two to wrap your head around, okay, what did we do last time we were together? What is, what is our goal overall? And then, you know, you kind of get your mind in that, in that state. Um, with, with testing, it's pretty straightforward. I think that you come in, you know, you make sure your tests are ready to go. If you need to make any copies, you make some copies. Um, make sure the pencils are sharpened, you know, <laughs> get some water ready. Uh -huh. I mean, it's, it's pretty simple stuff in that regard. Um, it's nothing over the top. Um, it, I think it's important that people, if they pursue this career, that um, one thing to get, uh, to prioritize is to give yourself time. Because even these things that you, these services seem, seem simple on the, on the surface, um, I've, uh, I've seen in my, in my experiences that some professionals, they're so pressed for time, they try to squeeze everything in as much as they can that they're really not even necessarily present. They're almost thinking about the next person or the next thing they're gonna do. So I think cultivating your own ability to be present is really important because if you're not present for the testing, for the counseling, you're missing a lot of clinically relevant information that would help that person uh, you know, progress or succeed or get better. Um, so I, I think if I, if I was having anyone shadow me, I, I would, you know, definitely highlight organization, you know, uh, a little bit of mindfulness on their part, give themselves plenty of time to get ready for the day, don't, don't rush, and really be in the moment. Okay, be in the moment, is a, that's a yeah. great piece of advice. Yeah. Um, what are you physically doing when people are taking the tests? I'm sitting there with them, you know, and I'm guiding them through it if it's if it's uh, needed for the tests, you know. Um, I sit there with them the whole time, you know, oh, just okay. as they are, so like we are right now, um, okay. and that's that's pretty much okay. know, what I'm doing. That's that's really what I'm I'm yeah. getting at is, is the, the actual nitty gritty oh, of, yeah. of your day. Yeah. Um, these tests, when they're done, is there are you just grading them like papers, or is there kind of a nuance to it? Or well, what we do is we compare. We, we get a raw score generated from the test originally, and then we compare this raw score to a normative database of thousands and thousands of individuals who are similar to them in age, um, education level, uh, other factors like that, and you're comparing the results to, uh, to these individuals, and from there, you get a, we generate a standardized score, and that standardized score is, is what's clinically important because um, that gives us a number that we can kind of compare on a, on a bell curve um, we can compare their performance, you know, overall on this bell curve, and you can kind of get an idea how, where they're functioning. Um, is, it a, is it above average, below average, superior, inferior, and, and, you know, and, and that's, um, that's kind of how the, the numbers that we get are used. Okay. Yeah. Now, when you say you're just having a comparison of all these different um, things, is, this, is that something you plug into a computer to generate, or do you literally have just piles mm -hmm. of other... It's, it's mostly piles of other paper. Uh, that, That's, that seems a little daunting right there. It, it's, it sounds daunting, but once you get the, the hang of it, it's, it's pretty, uh, it, you know, you can get the hang of it pretty quickly if you just practice it enough. Yeah. I, uh, the one test we do that's the academic test, we do, utilize a computer software program that generates those numbers because that would, that would just be really, uh, you know, meticulous. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other tests we do, I mean, not to say they aren't, but, like, they don't take nearly as much time as this one test would. So mostly the test... Um, we have a booklet of information that we compare the scores to, and we just do it by hand, or I do it by hand. Um, other people who are in this profession, they might prefer to do it on the computer. You know, that's, that's their preference. Um, but um, for the most part, it's just, you know, Well, now that, now that you, you like it that way, and um, I imagine you're very proficient at it at this point, yeah, yeah. how long would that take you? generally speaking, just for um, you to, to get the full analysis of the test results? Uh, 
probably between anywhere between twenty and twenty and forty minutes, roughly. All right, and what's the um, what's the client doing at that point, or the patient? They're usually gone at that point, so I'll wait till the testing's over, and then I'll answer any questions they might have, or um, you know, any issues or concerns, and then after they leave, then I'll start smoothing everything. Okay, so they're completely separated. It's it's oh, yeah. all tests, and then they're gone, and then you do all that stuff. Yeah, and I, I do that for a reason. Um, usually, if I, like there, there's times in the testing where there's gaps where they might take a break, um, or they might get up to go use the restroom and take a smoke break or whatever. You know, and I, I could score some of the tests in front of them. However, I think it's distracting for them because yeah, that's, say, that was my first they're, thought. They're gonna ask, you know, how am I doing? Am I doing better than average? Am I doing well? Am I am I failing? A lot of people have the idea that these tests are like like school. Like they are, am I gonna fail? And it's it's not really like that. You know, yes, they're tests, but um, you can't pass or fail necessarily. It's just looking at how you operate, you know, overall. Um, and when they're with me doing the testing, my job, part of my job is to make sure that they're in the best mind state um, to, you know, do their very best as possible on these tests. Because if they're distracted or there's some kind of extraneous factor that's impacting negatively their performance, then it makes the results less valid. So, okay. excuse me for one oh, second. Go ahead. But anyway. Um, so where were we? I, um, we were just yeah, we were wrapping up. I think you answered that whole thing. I'm just trying to, to finish out your day here. So you mm -hmm. you you get all these results. Yeah. You get everything going. What's what's the next move? How do you wrap up your actual work day? Uh, so from there, um, my colleague Dr. Pedrick and I we collaborate uh, and discuss the client um, clinically what what our impressions were. Uh, we do a clinical interview as well where we collect a. A history essentially of the client, uh, family history, medical history, psychiatric history, school history, vocational history, pretty much any every aspect of their life, and then we utilize that. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'll cut this all out. Okay. Don't, don't all worry right. about that. All right. Back to um, yeah, we were just wrapping up your day. So then uh, we use their history with their performance in the testing, and we generate a, a report. It's a summary of how they did, um, where their scores ranged on the bell curve. Um, we have a section about uh, summarizing their history, um, a section on recommendations we, we have for them, for school or for work, whatever um, they might need it for. And then at, usually at the end there's a diagnostic section where we will you know, include any diagnoses we feel are necessary given their testing, their clinical presentation, their history, all that combined. Okay, and that, that pretty much brings you to the end of your day, right there? With, with testing, yeah. And oh, with testing, okay. And, and, then I and then I do counseling at night, uh, so. Run me through a little bit of the counseling. I mean, uh, we've had a therapist on here before, mm -hmm. but she was very specific in her, uh, in her field. What are you dealing with on the, the counseling level? Is it just, um, well, you just tell, mm -hmm. tell, tell me what, what you got. There's some overlap between the, the demographics of, of individuals we see with testing and counseling. I mean... I see a lot of individuals for testing for brain injuries. I also see clients for brain injuries for counseling as well. Um, I see a lot of students for counseling, again, that have issues with organization, time management, you know, procrastination, study skills, stuff like that. So it's essentially get, getting their life together in, in, in the shortest way, way possible. To... Yeah, yeah, in a way, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of students come in um, from the local universities, Pitt, CMU, Duquesne, um, and basically they're, they're academic performance needs to be improved so we focus a big chunk of the time on 
uh, improving study skills, but also a lot of the performance, the, the, the negative performance they've had through schooling can be attributed at least partially to not the best mindset. You know, they're either too harsh on themselves or they overgeneralize or they're, you know, um, they can be their own worst enemy in other words. So it's a combination of working through that and also developing adequate skills that could help them navigate school. Okay. Yeah. Um, just to kind of put it all together, instead of trying to get everything on the individual basis, do you mm -hmm. have a general list of uh, pieces of advice that you give people to get their lives together? Like just a, a very uh, concise thing that you kind of give to everybody? In a way, you know, I have, I, I wouldn't recommend anything to my clients that I don't do myself. Yeah. So I, I think I have in my head just um, a group of uh, skills and methods and habits I've developed and I use in my own life and I would just recommend them on a case-by-case -case basis depending on the person and, wh and what they're there for. Um, so there's some overlap, a lot of things that I, uh, I'll repeat with clients because they have similar issues, but um, I, I wouldn't say I have like necessarily a checklist that I bring them in and say, okay, well, you should do this or this or that. Well, not necessarily yeah. a checklist, I just mean like for the listeners, some if they could take one thing away from this, a piece of practical advice for anybody's life. Uh, one piece of practical advice. I mean, I know the organization thing is huge. That's that's something I I really changed my life when I started doing that when I was younger. But you know, some, something along those lines. Um, yeah, the organization is key. I think maybe an overarching uh, uh, concept that the organization could be tied into would um, um, developing a higher level of like self-respect, I guess, and self-esteem. And okay. organization can stem from that. You know, um, you know, a lot of the students I see don't have the best view of themselves. So it's part of the, and that that can get in their way a lot. You know, um, so I guess. Um, you know, doing things that make you happy and that you know are going to benefit you, I think, is important for people to pursue. Um, it's easier said than done, yeah. Uh, and it takes time, and each person will figure out what that is for them. It means something different for everybody. But I, I think, um, you know, dedicating yourself to something that you know is going to help benefit your life in some, some way, or you're going to grow or, or or change from it in a positive way, I think, is you know really important to to keep in mind. Okay. Um... Do you have anything to add? Any stories? Any thoughts? Any any stories or thoughts? Um, well, thank you for having me on here, by the way. I really oh no problem. Really we have a nice that. little fun part at the end. That, that, yeah. Um, yeah. Any, any stories? Um, I don't know. Uh, what kind of stories are you looking for? Um, just occupational, whatever. Something that happened. Pet peeves of the job, perhaps. Some of the lesser known things. Oh, pet peeves. Um, hmm. Um, I don't know. I feel lucky in the sense that I don't really have a lot of pet peeves that annoy me throughout the day. I mean, I, at least I don't find myself being annoyed throughout the day. Um, what about like industry, industry practices? I, I... Mm, that that's that's a good point uh, about the industry. That they, they uh, th I think the field of psychology can be improved in a lot of ways. Um, I think that um, while there are a number of psychologists and people who are who are counselors who are, who regret what they do. Um, and they benefit a lot of people. I think there's also, um, there, there can be a lack of uh, tangible, t tangibility and, and practicality in the services some psychologists offer, and that can be to the, to the detriment of the counsel, to the client or the patient. Um, you know, I, I think that neuropsychology is a little different than psychology overall because we utilize um, these tests and we use numbers to kind of drive our 
clinical impressions and our, our treatment plans. Yeah. So I think sometimes the, the, the number and the testing can be lost in some psychologists whether they think it's too scientific or it's not um, appropriate. And I think that, um, I, I think the field of psychology, if they embrace the use of uh, testing more often, not that it doesn't happen, but overall, if they were more in tune with that and saw the benefit of it, clinically, I think that people coming for counseling or for psychological services in general would receive much better care, um, and, and in turn, they, they would, you know, have a much better life. Um, uh, you know, everyone, in, I guess in any field you, you talk about, there's going to be different ways people do things. I mentioned the fact that we kind of do pen and paper stuff here as yeah. opposed to computerized stuff. Uh, I, I think that with testing, I've heard from clients, and, and in my impression this seems to be true as well, is that, you know, if you know, people will go to a psychologist or a neuropsychologist and they'll put them in front of a, a, a computer screen for four or five hours and they say, okay, just run through this test, and then they leave them in a room alone and they're in front of a screen. And especially if someone's had a brain injury, that's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's not easy to just sit in front of a screen. It can be nausea-inducing. Uh-huh. Um, it, it, you know, it's not necessarily pleasant. And it's kind of cold, in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, I think that part of the... the the services that we would offer, we should we should strive to offer as, as, as professionals in this field is that um, they're coming to see you too as a person. So I, I think um, doing testing with the person, you know, encouraging them when necessary, kind of, you know, assuring them when they need to be reassured is important because um, I think it, it helps them perform the best and in turn helps us provide the best care for them. So, um, you know, I, I think that technology is great, obviously, and it really helps advance the field, right? I, I think that sometimes, uh, it, it, you know, uh, people can forget that we're, people need to be people sometimes too, yeah. and I think it's better to combine technology with people versus solely relying on technology for, you know, uh, convenience or whatever it may be. I couldn't agree more. Um, th- that idea of having the counseling and the testing together, and you being the same person, not you're not yeah. just being tossed off to somebody else. I imagine that makes it a lot easier for people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, part of the reason people um, um, benefit from counseling is the relationship that the counselor and the client build together. I mean, yes, the the school of thought's important that you utilize as a counselor. You know, yes, the skills you develop are important, but also they're coming to see you because they must they they trust you and they like you and they feel comfortable talking to you about things that are hard. You know, or they're not they're, they can be uncomfortable at times, or they might not feel comfortable talking with other people. So that's part of the therapeutic rapport um, and the you know it, the the benefit people derive from counseling you know absolutely so I like that I just I was actually I just heard Dr. Drew talk about how um, just seeing patients is different than it was just a few years ago just because there's so much computer like checking boxes and mm-hmm. writing little things and I've noticed that myself because I've been going to the same guy for a while another guy in Oakland mm-hmm. super nice guy but yeah like from it, from FaceTime to his face in a computer has just drastically changed over the years mm-hmm. and it's yeah it's a little impersonal it's yeah. weird um all right well if you, if you don't have anything else i'll uh wrap it up with some some fun stuff sure yeah all right uh what'd you have for breakfast eggs and toast simple i like it best advice you ever got don't think too hard about ne- it but never give up all right solid what movie do you think you viewed the most between Step Brothers, mm, Step Brothers and Talladega Nights. Solid. I like it. Uh, what's your biggest fear? Not fulfilling my potential. Good stuff. 
Favorite candy? Any candy in the world? Starburst. Hey, that's a first. Yeah. Let's see, you have a childhood hero? Um. Uh, yeah, uh, John Luigi Buffon. He's a he's an Italian uh, soccer player. He's a goalkeeper. I met him when I was a kid, and I've looked up to him ever since. So, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um. Wait, where'd you meet him? Uh, in Italy, actually. Oh. Uh, I, I have a lot of uh, family that still lives in Italy, so mm -hmm. we went over. First time for a trip in 2005, and by coincidence, uh, it was me and my family and my cousins, we all went on this big trip, and by coincidence, we happened to be staying in the same hotel that the soccer team that he was playing for, Juventus, happened to be staying there for an exhibition game in town. So as a kid, I was 12 or 13 at the time, um, I got to meet him in person, got his autographs and pictures taken with him, and it was, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Love that. Um, I know we covered the pet peeve thing, but do you have any general pet peeves in life? Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't really think about this too much, but I'm trying to... I mean, I guess when people aren't punctual, when they say they're going to be punctual, can be annoying at times. But, I mean, who hasn't been late? You know, I've been guilty of that plenty of times, so I, you know, I feel hypocritical even saying that. Um, but no, that's the thing. Everyone has someone in their life. It's like, well, we said this time, but we know they're really going to show up at this time. Yeah, and even if I invite said person to an event, I know that I'll give them like a, if it's a, if it was at two p.m., I'll say just be there. It's going to start at one fifteen, and they'll <laughs> and they'll still even at that at that point they'll come after two yep. p.m. or whatever it is. So, uh, I guess punctuality. Um, you know, I, I guess you know. I, I guess really the only pet peeve I, that really irks me is when people aren't genuine, not themselves, uh, either on a personal basis or professionally. Um, I think, uh, you know, uh, that just truly annoys me. Yeah. The phoniness, I guess, is my biggest pet peeve. Yeah. I, as soon as you said it, I had a few people come to mind. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a very strange personality trait. Just off-putting. Just be genuine. Yeah. Just, just, be, just be yourself. Yeah. There's no need for that. Um, what type of music do you listen to and why? I listen to all kinds of music for the most part, um, depending on what I'm doing, what time of the day it is, that will, that will dictate my music. Okay, um, if we turned your car on right now, what would be on there? Um, I like a lot of uh, like British Invasion rock and roll, you know, like the Beatles, Rolling Stones, um, the Kinks, um, the Who, and then also, you know, Zeppelin, uh, you know, um, the Doors. Okay. I, I like a lot of classic rock and roll in that regard. Good stuff. Yeah. Uh, spicy food? Not spicy food. Spicy. All right. Good man. Uh, what's the hardest time you ever laughed? Hardest time I've ever laughed. It's hard to pick one time. Um, no, just any, anything <laughs> that pops to mind. Oh, man. I mean, I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy. So um, some of my favorite stand-up comedians are Bill Burr. Dave Chappelle, um, Tom Segura. You know, anytime I watch those guys and they're really in the zone, I mean, I find myself really, you know, laughing a lot. Uh, you know, they're really funny guys. So I guess anytime I'm watching those kind of guys do stand up. You ever see them live when they come through? Not yet. I, I'd like to at some point. I know. I know Tom Segura is supposed to be in town in Pittsburgh. I think in February. But my one, you know, one of these get one of these days. I'm gonna have to go one of their live shows. And it's one thing to see it in person, or in uh, in person, and another thing to see it, you know, on Netflix or on exactly. YouTube or whatever it is. Especially with crowd work and stuff. I love when they just 
dig into people. It's so I, I find it so fascinating the way they navigate uh, creating material, uh, developing it on stage over time, really you know perfecting it, and then also balancing that with you know the hecklers, uh-huh. the, the the loud people that want to <laughs> want to be part of the show. You know, it's 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 really interesting how they all have their unique styles of dealing with it. You know. Yeah, it's, it's one, of, one of my favorite art forms. I think is stand-up comedy. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. and I love that this podcast medium is out there, and you can really hear them talk about stand-up as a job. Oh yeah, like really getting down to the the work you have to put in for it. It's fascinating. Yeah, I mentioned uh, like Joe Rogan's podcast, and I, one of the things I like about his podcast, and also I listen to Tom Segura's podcast as well. I like listening to how, and especially when they have comedian guests on the show, I like listening to how they develop it, what their method is, you know, how does it work for them? Because they're all different, and it's yep. really unique. I just find it so interesting, you know, um, how they do what they do, basically. It's fascinating. Yeah. That actually, the show, um, the last time I saw Tom Segura, it was the show right after Mike Tyson came to his show. Oh, really? Like, he had a whole bit about it in his next yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I just missed it. It was crazy, though. Literally, he was there the night before Mike Tyson, and he had probably a solid 10-minute bit about it the next day. Yo, yeah. So, so, so that was, he, he, Mike Tyson came to a show of his before he had the special that included the Mike Tyson bit? Yeah. Okay. It was that, like, you know, Friday, Saturday, and I went on Saturday, and he's like, you'll never believe what happened yesterday. It, and he had, like, a tight bit. Like, it was yeah. It was funny. And eventually it turned into what was on the special. But. And that and that was in Pittsburgh, right? He came it was to the, here at the, the improv. improv. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Ridiculous. Um, do you have a, a tipping custom? No, but, I mean, you know, if you provide good service... I'm a, I can be a generous guy, so okay. you know, um, if you if it was a great, you know, if they did a good job, I, you know, oh, yeah. give them a good tip. That's good. That's all I'm looking for. Um, let's see. Someone gave your 18 year old self a thousand dollars. What do you think he'd do with it? Hmm. Well, I, let's see. If I realistically look at myself as an 18 year old, what would I do with it versus what I should do with it are kind of two different questions. Oh, it's there, gonna be know? it's gonna be <laughs> a few of those. But let's say what what you think you'd do with it. What Someone just do? gave it gave it to your eighteen year old self right now. Mm. It's a thousand bucks. Go nuts. Do whatever you want. Mm. Man, that's a tough one. I don't know. Um, I know what I do now with it. If I was oh, that's the next question. Yeah, <laughs> I was eighteen. I'd probably I'd probably spend it on girls or something. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes go, sense. Go on dates. You know, rent a nice car or something. Dinner with girls, dates, stuff like that. You know. I like it. Well, yeah. What about now? Someone gives you a thousand bucks to do whatever you want. With it. Definitely investing that some way or another. Make, the, make the money work for me. You know yep, what I mean? Yep. Uh, do you have a favorite vegetable? Cauliflower. Good call. Roasted cauliflower. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself in ten years? Ten years, um, I'll have my PhD. Um, I'll be a neuropsychologist practicing. You know, e- either in a a rehabilitation facility for brain injury or in a hospital setting, you know, and then eventually I want to start my own private practice as well, you know, kind of having concurrently with working in a, in a hospital or rehab setting. Okay, so that's the ultimate goal? Yeah, yeah. Right, I like that. That's yeah. reasonable. Living somewhere uh-huh. warm, too. Somewhere sunny and warm. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Jeez, the way I walked here, man. Oof. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, you have a favorite cocktail? You a drinker? Not really much of a drinker, yeah. Um, once in a while, I have some wine, I guess, but that'd pick one cocktail. Like, I don't know. I guess Jack and Coke. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, pretty standard. Um, what's something you'd wish you'd learned earlier? To not, to not let other people's opinions of you dictate your 
reality. Yeah, I, think, I, think as, I think as a younger person, I used to care too much about what other people thought about me. I think that hindered my development in a lot of different ways as a person, you know, whatever. Um, I think um, I've learned as I've gotten older here, uh, going through school and whatnot, and going through life, um, it doesn't really matter what other people think of you. It matters what you think of yourself. So it's not so much, it's not worth, it's actually a waste of energy to put, you know, uh, time into thinking what people might or might not think about you or letting, yeah. letting their opinions dictate how you act or don't act, you know, so. I think it's a very good piece of advice. Yeah. Uh, what kind of toothpaste do you use? I mix it up. Um, I think right now I got Colgate. All right. Yeah. You have anything you'd change about yourself? I don't think so. I, li I like you. I am. Yeah, you yeah. seem like a solid dude. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, childhood celebrity crush. Oh, first one that comes to mind is Jennifer Aniston for sure. Um, she's the first one I definitely remember having a crush on. Jennifer Aniston. Um, you know what? It's just funny. Julia Louise Dreyfus from Seinfeld. Yeah. I always had the hots for her. You know, ever, you know I liked the show, but yeah, she was yeah. something else. Yeah, I definitely feel you there. Um, do you have any sleep habits or sleep advice? Sleep habits? Um, I, I try to go to bed roughly the same time, you know, every night. Um, sleep advice? You know, I, I think one thing I do that kind of helps me relax is that um, I got a little notepad I have in my my nightstand. I just kind of write down all the things that are either bothering me or that I want to get done or that are just on my mind and I kind of just write it on a piece of paper and in a way it's like cathartic, like I, I get it off my chest and onto some paper and then I'm like okay, I can kind of breathe, take a breath and I'm like okay I'll deal with this tomorrow, now it's time to rest because I can't tackle this stuff without getting some rest first. So it's almost in a way like giving myself permission to rest, you know. I have a tendency to like want to keep working on something and working on myself and so that lends itself to not prioritizing rest, and I've learned that sleep's very important, and if I want to accomplish what I want to accomplish, I need to rest first. You know, if you're going to be on, you have to be off at some time still. Oh, you know? I, I like that. I've never heard that before, and I, I think I might try that. Yeah, I, I found that, you know, I used to keep myself up and I worrying about what I was going to do or what I had to do or what might happen or might not, and by doing this, it kind of helps me just kind of, you know, just kind of clear my mind and get ready to go to bed. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, last question, if you could do anything, what would you do? Be a bass player in you know, like bass a rock player? band. Yeah. yeah. Most of the guys that play bass were pretty cool. You know, you're kind of just like, kind of, I mean, you, you can be the star of the show if you want to be, but you don't have to be, you know, and you, yeah. you're important. You got to keep the bass rhythm going for the whole song. Uh -huh. You know, generally speaking, I think any band I've seen or any of the bands I was fans of growing up, the bass guy always seemed pretty cool. So. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Well, thank you for doing the show. Yeah. And, uh, Thanks for yeah. having me. Yeah. I really appreciate it, man. All right. <laughs> Okay, now at this point, the interview's over, and it, what happens a lot of the times, once I turn the recorders off or have a backup recorder going, the conversation keeps going, and a lot of the times it is more interesting or just loose, you know what I mean? So, I'm, I'm putting the rest of this interview, because he was nice enough to let me keep the recorder going, you know, just, just to let you know some more of what's going on we have quite a bit of bonus material on a lot of these episodes and we don't know exactly what we're going to do with it yet but i just figured i'd include this on this episode because it it i don't know it's just good i think it's helpful so enjoy here's another you know five or ten minutes
Enjoy. You know, I'm sorry, 3.30. So I, might, I, I haven't set my clock back from, uh, I, didn't, I didn't put it back an hour, so. Right. I look at my clock and I was like, all right, wait, now we're behind. Okay, so yeah. All right, well, no, I it just I thought it was going to come up organically at some point because this, this is a through line through several of these episodes. Mm-hmm. Depression comes up a lot. Yeah. Is that something that your students deal with a lot? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think, I'd be willing to talk about it. I think it's important, too. Well, that's... Yeah. The thing is, and this is mostly the, the people that are out of college already, mm. uh, especially the people with a four-year degree, and they have a mountain of debt, and they're yeah. not even working in their field. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And um, I don't know. Did you just touch on that subject at all, or do you have anything that that comes to mind? Yeah. You know, um, I, I think that that whole thing about going, ha- feeling the, the almost the compulsion to have to go to college to get a four-year degree and like anything, and then be at it, be you know six figures in debt, and you're not even necessarily working in the field you got the degree in. It's such a common narrative that I hear a lot with students that I think, you know, um, and it is depressing, obviously, because it's a lot of time and money invested into something that's not coming to fruition. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think I think some of my the students I see, or even young people I see in general, need to be reminded that you don't have to go to college to be a happy, successful person. Like, you can if it's necessary, and you, if, you, if you have a plan already in, set in place, I think it's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, especially if you have a plan. But going in just because you feel like everyone else is, I think is unwise. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with learning a trade, going to a, a technical school. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I feel like some people have this idea that it's you know, less than or it's somehow shameful or whatever it is. Um, there's nothing wrong with those jobs. In fact, we need those jobs as a society. So I think those are important people to continue to pursue. But you know, I, I guess to get to the depression part, you know, once they're um, once they're out of school and they're stuck and they're working a menial job or they're not even working in the field, I think that um, instead of wallowing, which is uh, it sounds mean to put it that way, but you know, instead of um, you know just um, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, I think wallowing is kind of on the nose. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it is. Um, you know, thinking about how much your situation isn't ideal, how much you wish you didn't do this or didn't do that, it's not going to be helpful at that point. You're here, so now what are you going to do? I think putting together a plan to, you know, if it's if they're in debt, how are you going to? Let's find you some some work. Let's get a steady stream of income. Let's put let's help you figure out a, a way a, a plan that you can start paying back your loans and also live live your life without being you know. Yeah, you know, penny pinchers all the time. You know, which is easier said than done. But yeah, um, you know, I, I think focusing on um, the individual strengths of that person is important too, because they do have something to offer the world. Um, they may or may not have any idea what it is yet, and they might have thought that by getting a degree that would be a sure way of figuring that out. And a lot of times they didn't. Yeah, and then they feel like they're not worth anything, or they can't contribute to society. I think um, that's a common uh, misconception that people, young people have in, in particular about themselves. So we, I mean, we work through that a lot in my counseling sessions with them about you know, understanding that you're not worthless, you're not your grades. Your grades are not a reflection of your, of your value as a human being. You're much more than that. You can contribute something still. It's all about, it starts with your mindset up here and your perception. I mean, perception is everything, obviously. So I think changing the perception about themselves is a first step to feeling less depressed, it's the first step to helping them invest in themselves. Um, it's the first step to you know understanding that it's okay to make a mistake, even even a big mistake like going to a college <laughs> for four years and getting a big degree that's yeah. worth that isn't necessarily worth anything, or or you're not you're not utilizing it. 
um, you know, that'll take some time to get over. It's, a, it's almost like a grieving process where someone has to be like, okay, I really messed up here. I shouldn't have gone to college. I can't do anything about it now, but I can't do something about today. What can I do today to make myself better than I was yesterday? So, you know, I think that's important. I think that's a great first step. But yeah. And off of that first step, you mentioned um, uh, it, was, it, was, it was something else about jobs. I forget what it was, but the internships and mm-hmm. trade schools and what are what are some things? Because I've talked to people about this before about internships, trade schools, and it's kind of a dead end a lot of the time unless you were in a college that's kind of helping out in that regard mm-hmm. or. Um, you go to a specific trade school that you, you just buy this and go into it as opposed to, you know, working with someone on site, say, um, was I talking to the other, like a woodworker or, um, mm-hmm. uh, I met a guy that did, uh, steel work, mm-hmm. like just made, you know, forged things for people to buy online. And he just, you know, he hung out with people and learned from them and made a career out of that all on his own. Mm-hmm. With your clients, do you have any kind of practical advice for them to move on to get to another career path that would be unconventional? Without having them do like a trade school necessarily? Is that, is that what you're asking? Either someone who is thinking about going to college and might want to go a different direction or someone who's already wasted all their money on college and isn't getting anything out of that. That's the, the starting point, I'd say. Where do you think the starting point could be? Um, I think the starting point is understanding and accepting the fact that it's possible for you to, to, you know, overcome the adversities you might have in your life. It's possible to develop a career for yourself that's unconventional, that's unique to you, that might not reflect anybody else's career path, and that's okay. Um, I think a lot of people have this need, or they, they feel this need to conform. You know, they look at their neighbor, or their, their best friend, or their, their, you know, their siblings, and, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. I'm not doing this or that. I guess I'm deficient in some way. And it's like, well, no, not not necessarily. You're just they have their thing and you got to focus on you. You got to kind of create your own lane. And whatever lane you create, make it a five-lane highway. Make it all make it really your thing, you know. And that might take some time and that's okay. People want to people think that's like, okay, if I don't figure out what my what my lane is by the time I'm 22, when I graduate college, I'm stuck and I'm going to be stuck working at McDonald's the rest of my life. And I see that a lot with my clients. That's why I kind of express that sentiment, but I think understanding that there's possibilities that it's okay to be stuck right now, to not judge yourself for feeling bad. It's okay to feel bad. To feel good in life, you gotta feel bad sometimes. It's part of being a person. Um, and that you can do something today to make your, your reality closer to what you want it to be. Um, and I think it's important also um, that they will spend some time and thought thinking about what do, what do they really want? Like what do you want your life to be like? What is your ideal reality? It doesn't matter what your parents think you should do, or what your brother says you should do, or your teacher, or whoever. What do you really want to do? And think about it, and take some time to do it. And it's not like it's going to happen in a minute or you know, in a night. It might take some time, but it's, it's important to, to commit yourself to deep thought about who you are and what you want. And, and from there, I think you will have more clarity as to where I should take the next step. You know? Okay, I, I think, I mean, that's a, that's a very good answer, but I think what I was trying okay. to get at was a the, the practical application. Uh, What's the first okay. move? Someone, someone's been seeing you okay. for, you know, however many months. They're finally feeling better about themselves. They're feeling mm-hmm. like they can get a new start or a fresh start or whatever. Mm-hmm. What are some of the steps to, I don't know, get get to a job or a career or What's the, because like, it's easy to say, like, I'm going to apply for this college. If I get in, I'm going to go to college. Mm-hmm. Or 
I'm going to get this internship. I'm going to go do that internship until I'm capable of being hired in an entry-level position. I'm just trying to think if there's any, anything you've come across with patients that, that you could point them in the direction of. Um, I don't I mean, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, it you know, I don't really want to ever tell them what to do. I, I, but well, I, no, 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 no. I'm not yeah, saying yeah, to, to yeah. push anyone in, a, in any specific direction. I just yeah. mean like a resource or somewhere you can point them to get started in any field. Um, well, there's the Office of Vocational Rehab I mentioned before. You know, okay. that, that's the agency that helps people find jobs that might have some type of disability. But, um, you know, I mean, that can help people find some work. Um, well, that's what I mean. There's, there's a lot of things out there that are offered to different, um, like there's Job Corps and, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, is there anything that's just like, hey, I'm 18 years old. I don't want to go to college. I, I want to learn something. I want to learn a skill set. Where do I go? I mean, OBR, like I mentioned, is one thing. I, you know, I, to be honest with you, I'm not necessarily aware of certain uh, organizations, although I'm sure they exist. That, <laughs> I mean, you know, I've been looking for years. I've never found any. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't but, know. I, I guess I don't have a lot of knowledge in that area, particularly. Um, oh, no, that's yeah. that's fine. I just, yeah. I was I was thinking that there might be something in there. Um, um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay, well. Yeah. I mean, most of the people that that who are in that position, they they ask me like instead of looking for an organization, they go, um, like, do you think it'd be wise to go to a masonry firm if I wanted to learn to be a masonry guy or, a, or go to a construction site? I'm like, yeah, you should. You can go to a. There's there's plenty of construction companies. Go, you know, say I want to learn how to do bricklaying or I want to learn how to work on roofs or whatever it is. You so can, that would be the the practical application is to literally call them up and say like hey I'd like to get into this field. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I'm a big proponent of um, kind of the old school way of getting your name out there. Just calling them and just sending them your resume if it's necessary, or just showing up at their door in person. I mean, I think a lot of people, especially the people who are of uh, the older generation, respect and and um, and they like that approach more. Um, it's it's more personal, whereas I think they they look at people who are younger as not having the social or communication mm -hmm. skills to really do the job because of technology. Well, whether it's accurate or not is a different question, but I think that's a perception a lot of what people have. So I think if they just showed up, I mean, that would say a lot about them. You know? I think that is the, the perfect answer. That's exactly yeah. what I was looking for. And I think that of the younger generation, like people younger than us or people in college right now, they don't realize that that's an option. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've got jobs ever since I was young. You yeah. just show up and yeah. you can start talking to people. And that's, I mean, people are more likely to hire somebody that they they're familiar with mm -hmm. even if they've just been hanging around and you know trying to pick up work here and there mm -hmm. and uh yeah you know i know a lot of people utilize like those um those online um like job databases like uh indeed or uh you know zip recruiter mm -hmm. to look for jobs and that's that's okay there's nothing wrong with that i'm sure it works for some people but i i think that um if you're a young person and you you show up at some business um and you say, I want to work for you, this is what I can do, this is what I'm willing to learn, here I am. I think that says a lot about you as a potential employee. I think it says that, like, look, this person is serious about what they, about taking the next step. Um, they're, they're willing to show up and without any guarantee that they're going to get a job and, and ask for, you know, some help or if they, ha if they need any help. I think it says a lot about you as a person. You're, you have initiative, you have some drive, 
Um, you're willing to learn. And I don't know what employer wouldn't like that in an empl- a potential employee, you know what I mean? Exactly. So I think that's important that young people remember that, yeah, you know, technology can be utilized for helping find work and, and one thing, but if it's not working for you and you just feel stuck, just, just show up somewhere. Just find somewhere that you think, I, I want to do this, just go. And, yeah. you know, that person might not be able to help you out, but they might know someone who can, or they might know someone, and, and you don't know where that's going to take you. Exactly. And, and, and you're not going to get anywhere, for sure, if you don't leave the house. So <laughs> you have nothing to lose. Just go see what happens, you know? So the big takeaway, leave the house. Leave the it's house. Leave the house. Leave the house. <laughs> you, you have nothing to lose. You have everything to gain. All right. Yeah. I think that's a perfect place to go, <laughs> to go out on. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah.